This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. It's easy to be average. You know it as well as I know it. It takes a little something to be special, Don. It takes a little something special to be a great player. We don't have enough great players. To hell with that! We don't want to coach average. I don't want to be around you. Why be around average? proud of our young people in the classroom, in the community, and most especially in 310 days in Ann Arbor, Michigan, on the football field. Three things. Number one, the team that hits the hardest and the longest, the team that starts the fastest, and the team is too damn smart to make mistakes. If you take it to them, if you don't make mistakes, and you keep taking it to them, hell, there's no question who will win. Buckeye Podcast, by fans, for the fans, where they hate that team up north as much as you do. It's time for the OHIO Podcast. OH! IO! Welcome back to the OHIO Podcast, everybody. I am Buckeye Boggs, and he, he is Chris Wiles. What's going on tonight, Chris? Oh, man, it's, it's a great weekend, Eric, let me tell you. Everybody I know is freaking out a little bit about the snow, but let me tell you, for those of us who work in education, we're saying let it snow, let it snow, let it snow, <laughs> because I'll tell you what, we love those extended weekends every now and then. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> I bet you are. I bet you are, my man. Hey, we got some programming notes for uh, for everybody. Thanks for all of you who are already in. Welcome in. Uh, we have quite a few of you watching, both on Facebook Uh and we uh, have quite a few there watching on uh, YouTube, and we appreciate that. So, you know, we have some things here that we want to uh, let you all know. We have more than just the OHIO podcast, varsity videos. We have Buckeye Tobacco. We have Shots from the Shot. Hoping to have a Shots from the Shot episode here for you this week. Jason Monk and myself will be uh, podcasting about that very sh- uh, very thing very shortly. Buckeyes did come off a nice win this weekend over Iowa. Got off the losing snap, so good, good for them. Lady Buckeyes, absolutely killing it. Uh, so we have that to talk about as well. I'll be doing my tobacco videos, but varsity videos is going to be taking a hiatus for a little bit. So we're just going to have to put that on the shelf a little bit. So, um, those of you who like that, unfortunately that show is going to be, uh, uh, missing for a little bit. As far as the uh, live shows here, as far as the podcast, of course, the live show is the podcast. Now we've been podcasting for four years now. That podcast is still going to be going on. All of you all obviously know who listened to it, the audio version of this. This is episode number 269. So the live show on Sunday nights is the podcast if you want to listen to the audio version. And also we would be remiss if we didn't mention all of you watching on Rumble. Holy yeah. smokes, Chris. 
our Rumble numbers are through the roof. Obviously, there's definitely a need for Ohio State football content on Rumble, and we are so glad that you all uh, have chosen to uh, to watch those videos. Right off the bat, we have Ryan Wickerham in the house. My guys, you are our guy, Ryan. Uh, appreciate yeah. you coming in today. Uh, Jason Muck talking about uh, shots from the shot. He says, what's up, fellas? Good to see Jason in tonight. Hoping that all of you will be participating in all of the uh, great content that we will be bringing to you guys tonight. All right, let's jump right into this, Chris. Let's get into our first uh, conversation here, our first content. And that is a new era begins. How will Ryan Day handle this QB competition? And who has a leg up? I think we can look in the past maybe as to what to expect possibly uh, when it comes to what we might see in this quarterback competition this offseason. But I want to get your thoughts first, Chris. Well, Eric, for me, you know, I think we have a couple of very, very good options coming in at quarterback. I mean, obviously we got um, McCord returning. He's going to be a junior this year. He's been in the system for a little while. Uh, we got Devin Brown, who uh, we really haven't seen a lot of on the field, um, especially throwing the ball. Uh, but, you know, he does have a lot of talent. We've got the youngster, um, Lincoln uh, Kleinholz, I believe is how we pronounce that, correct? Yeah. Uh, yeah, we, we've got him coming in as uh, already as well. Uh, you know, for me, I think – Devin Brown has a lot of upside, maybe even more upside than Kyle McCord. He also has a little more eligibility. But I think you got to go with Kyle McCord. He's been in the system a little bit longer. He has that experience. He knows Marvin Harrison and already has a chemistry from him going back to their high school days. Um, I think the fact that he has stuck it out and not transferred, I think that's going to carry a little bit of weight with uh, Ryan Day as well. The fact that he hung with the program when it would have been easy to jump in the transfer portal like everybody else is doing. Um, for me, I just think this is really Kyle McCord's job going into the spring game. It's his job to lose. Uh, now, if he doesn't come out and impress, I could definitely see uh, perhaps Devin Brown sliding in there. I don't think we see the youngster this year. I think he's still a little bit of a project. Um, but Devin Brown could definitely push Kyle McCord, if Kyle McCord doesn't come out and impress in the spring. But it, for me, it's McCord's job to lose. So I don't know that uh, Devin Brown is going to push Kyle McCord. And, I, and I've heard a lot of people say that Devin Brown's got better footwork as far as uh, his awareness in the pocket, his ability to scramble, things of that nature. Chris, I'll be honest with you. I just don't think that that is important to Ryan Day. It's not It's not nearly as important on his list of criteria that he looks at in choosing a starting quarterback as it was for Urban Meyer, obviously. It's a completely different offense, and we know now by some of the things that have come out in the media that Ryan Day has told his quarterbacks, I don't want you to run unless you absolutely have to. And as we learned, C.J. Stroud really took that to heart until the yeah. last game of his career. He was not going to When he had to. When he absolutely had to. You're right. And so I, 
I don't think that when you look at these two quarterbacks, being Kyle McCord and Devin Brown, that with the ability to scramble or run or the read option is nearly as important to Ryan Day as someone who can manage the offense and make all the throws within the offense. And, of course, based off that route tree that Ohio State has with these wide receivers, you need someone with a big arm who can throw all of those throws in that route tree, all of those NFL throws that you hear about. So that being said, I say that, but at the same time, I'm going to contradict myself and say Ryan Day is nowhere near going to call a starter in this thing. There is absolutely no way that we come out of spring and Ryan Day says, Kyle, my quarter, Devin Brown's my starter. And here's why. He does not want either one of these guys to go into the portal. He just doesn't want that to happen. He wants both of them there at least for one more season. He wants four guys, uh, four scholarship quarterbacks in that room at all times. And in order for that to happen, I think it's very, very important or paramount here that he keeps his decision close to the vest and he does exactly what he did when he had Justin Fields here. And he says, I'm not going to call the starter until game one. Yeah. Did the same thing with CJ. So I think going on past history, Ryan Day is not going to call a starter. He's going to talk about it being a competition from day number one. And I do agree with you that I believe Kyle McCord does have a leg up in this thing. But Devin Brown absolutely could push the envelope here. And if he comes out and has a really good spring, and I'm not talking spring game because, let's be right. honest, that's just that's just icing on the cake. What's the substance? That's the practices in spring. Can Devin Brown push Kyle McCord enough here that they come out of spring and Ryan Day says, at this point it's 50-50. But I think he really wants to know who has the leg up coming out of spring. Chris, what are your thoughts on that? Oh, I agree with you 100%. You know, Day is going to know, I think, or at least have a good idea after the spring of who his starting quarterback is going to be. But I'm with you. There's no way he's going to share that with us or with anybody else. Um, He needs those two experienced quarterbacks. This is a very good roster at the skill positions right now. Um, And you need somebody who is going to be a more than cap- not just capable, but more than capable backup should something happen to whoever the starter is. So he doesn't want to see anybody leave this system. I mean, you look at the injuries we saw in the running back room last year, and, and you know, I just don't see that, that, like you said, I can't imagine him saying, okay, Devin, you know, we're giving Kyle the job, so, you know, good luck to you. I, I just don't see that. He has to have that experience backup. Uh, and we don't have that in Lincoln. And we don't have that with the kid who transferred in. I mean, yes, he's he, he's a graduate a transfer, I believe, the, the young man who transferred in, correct? Yeah, he's got yeah. one year of eligibility. He's got one year of eligibility left. But he, he's not familiar with the system. Mm-mm. Yeah, he needs he needs both of them there. So you're right. He's not going to make a move. As that's an insurance. Enough. That's an insurance policy. If, yes. if one of them leaves and then you have an injury and then you're in the old crap situation, you know, you've got someone there with some college experience. That's all that is. Uh, Ryan says, Mark Pantoni said, Brown is elite. Devin Brown is elite there. So, I mean, having, having Pantoni's 
you know, I guess stamp of approval is one thing. Getting Ryan Days is what really matters yeah, there. Exactly. Uh, so, you know, it's, yeah, it's great that Mark likes you and, and is pulling for you and, and, and maybe feels that you're really good in the weight room. Uh, maybe you're really good in the film room and all of those things do count. Absolutely. But at the end of the day, can you lead this offense? Um, CJ led the offense and Ryan day's mind. Uh, I watched, I watched a former OSU quarterback who went down to via LSU, who now leads Cincinnati. Who's a, who's an absolute dog. Do we yeah. have that guy? Do we have a guy like that in this quarterback room? We're going to find out. Well, I'll tell you what I do like Eric is I do like the fact that we hadn't even heard CJ make his announcement yet, but you know, Kyle McCord basically came out and said, it's my turn. Kyle McCord is bringing some swagger to the field. He's got some confidence in his game right now, and I like that. I like that confidence. I do, too. I want my quarterback to be confident. He better be confident. Jason Monk says he's pulling for McCord. You know, there's one other thing here that we would be remiss if we didn't mention. This is obviously everybody knows this who follows the program, but McCord has some experience with a very important offensive weapon. Very important. So being former teammates with Marvin Harrison Jr., I mean, that's got to account for something. I don't know how much, but obviously it accounts for something. And so I would say whichever quarterback is going to go out there and make that chemistry, build that chemistry with um, Emeka Ibuka, Marvin Harrison Jr., and Julian Fleming, that's the guy who's obviously going to probably win that starting job. But again, I just don't think Ryan Day is going to make that announcement. Um, You know, the until it's time here's another question for you let's throw it out there man ryan wickerham could you imagine if he played two qbs i you know i've seen that work very very few times eric and and nothing recent i mean what the most successful system was back when tebow was at florida and they ran two qbs probably i mean i just don't see a two qb system working especially with the type of offense that ryan day runs it's you know it's about rhythm. It's about uh, you know momentum, for, for lack of a better word. You know, and, and you can't gain momentum. You can't get into a rhythm playing a two QB system. Uh, you know, we we saw it a little bit back. Uh, probably the last time I remember us doing it really big was uh, Jermaine and Stanley Jackson. They were a true two QB system, but I just, I just can't see it. I mean. It maybe maybe as a way in in some of the games, you draw up a few plays where where you can get the other guy in there, get him some playing time. But for me, I just don't think two uh, two QB systems really work that well, especially in this kind of offense. And I don't think it brings us any hope of a uh, of a Big Ten title or a national title uh, when you've got one guy looking over the other's shoulders. I mean, you look back at what happened with JT and Cardale, you know. It, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um... It, would, it wouldn't make sense unless both quarterbacks were extremely different. They were opposite-style yeah. quarterbacks. I don't know that Devin Brown is so much different than Kyle McCord. Even right. if he is more athletic and a little bit faster and wants to run the football a little bit more than McCord, is it that significantly different enough to justify running a two-quarterback system? Plus, I don't, I'm not a fan of it personally. No. I just feel like it, it brings up way too much issues, way too many issues on your offense as far as leadership, uh, who, who's the man in the, in the last drive, who, who are they going to go to, you know, commanding that huddle. Well, I was going to say another big thing, Eric's going to be, you're going to have guys jumping, 
constantly because they're going to have different cadences, uh, different rhythm to their uh, to their cadence. I mean, I, it, it's just it is a recipe for disaster. I think when you see a two two QB uh, system run. Yeah, Monk says the two QB system is asking for failure. There isn't ever any chemistry built that way. You know, I agree with you, Monk. That's mm-hmm. it really you really are. You're you're almost asking for failure there. All right, let's move on to our next topic here. This one actually comes from Jason Monk, and he actually proposed this question to us a while ago. And I told him we would base an entire show around it. Here we are. So this entire next segment, Monk, is dedicated to you and this question. He says, which former quarterback would you have loved to have seen play in the Ryan Day offense? Now, if we go back to when Ryan Day was the OC. 2017, correct? Uh, 16 or 17. Uh, I think he came in in January of 2017. So... We have seen three of the best quarterbacks in Ohio State history statistically under his offense guidance and leadership. Now, there is a a giant argument out there that Ohio State's never produced an NFL-caliber quarterback, and that's partially true. We've not had a major winning NFL quarterback. However, we've had some doggone good quarterbacks, some Heisman-winning quarterbacks. Um. So I've got to throw this question out to you first, and I want you to answer this one, Chris. What are, who are some former quarterbacks you would have loved to have seen in this Ryan Day offense? Well, I'm going to throw a little love towards the monk myself, you know, because <laughs> one of the first ones that came to my mind was was Kenny Guyton as well. I, I mean, I would have loved to have seen him, but he, you know, he would have still had to ha- get on the field. For me, the two that really stood out, though, uh, one being Cardale Jones. Uh, you know, he was. He, he was not the most athletic guy in the world. He was more that pocket passer. Uh, he had the big arm. I think he would have done very well in a Ryan Day system. I think Day knew, knew better how to manage a guy like Cardale than what we saw with Urban, who wanted to make him run the same playbook that we saw with JT Barrett, and he just didn't have the same athleticism to do that. Better arm, not the same athleticism. Uh, the other one that came to my mind, which I thought would, you know, and there's always this what if surrounding him. That's Braxton Miller. Uh, you know, when Braxton was playing the quarterback position before the injury, before he had to go to wide receiver, man, I just think Ryan Day could have really designed some dynamic things to do with that guy. I mean, you look at what he did with Justin Fields, and I think that, you know, I, I think that comparably as far as arm strength and things go, Braxton and Justin were very similar. I think that Braxton was a little more obviously dynamic as far as athletically goes. Um, so I think I would have loved to have seen him uh, get his hands on Braxton, but the one that stands out to me most is probably Cardale. I think Cardale was robbed uh, during his time here after that great three-game run. I think he was put in a position where he wasn't set up to succeed, and I think that Ryan Day could have done a lot with that talent. So I've got two names for you. And one of them is kind of a shot in the dark here. Um, He's one of my favorite people of all time. Uh, When I had the chance to meet this guy, uh, I was just wowed by how kind he was. He was a doggone good quarterback back when quarterback play was 
not nearly what it is today. Would, would this be something we ran into at a, at a tailgate last year, uh, Eric? Would, would, mm. would this be the quarterback you ran into at? Uh, in no. fact, I believe it was at Ryan's tailgate last year, wasn't it? No, um, I'm I'm thinking about Cornelius Green. Oh, okay. Yeah, I I, yeah. I think Corny Green was way before his time. Yeah, you know, this is a Woody Hayes guy. This is a guy who played. Uh, with Archie Griffin back in the mm-hmm. 70s, man. And he had just about as many rushing yards as he did passing yards. And this was obviously under Woody Hay- one of Woody Hayes' best teams. It was three yards in a cloud of dust. But Greeny, man, Corny had an arm. Yeah. And I would have loved to have seen someone like that. When you think about uh, a, an older era of football, mm-hmm. And bringing it into modern times, I would have loved to have seen what Corny Green could have done in in Ryan Day's offense. I think that would have been a really neat to see. The other one I've got for you is probably someone that you're not going to like, but dude, there was if if things wouldn't have got a little sideways for him, TP Terrell Pryor. Yeah, he had he was built like a like a German tank, man. Yes, he was huge human being, big arm, very muscular, extremely athletic. Uh, and imagine, I mean, I've said this before and I've gotten a little bit of heat from Chris, from Ohio state fans on this. I think Terrell Pryor was a little bit of Justin Fields before Justin Fields. I, he's a bigger Justin Fields. Um, Justin might have him slightly, maybe in the athletic department a little mm-hmm. bit, but not much. And I think Cardale or excuse me, uh, Terrell, his arm strength and just his over overall game, what he brought as a mm-hmm. quarterback, the whole, whole package was incredible. Now, like I said, things got a little sideways there at the end, you know, and, and in today's environment, it would have been like, no big deal. Who cares? But back then, of course, you know, it ended up getting uh, the sweater vest fired. But I think Terrell Pryor and Ryan Day's offense would have been national championship gold. So those were the two that came to my mind. Let's see what you all think out there. Uh, Ryan says Troy Smith. I mean, 2006 Troy Smith, Yeah. you know, when he was actually allowed to run the offense and throw the football. Uh, that could have made a big difference, absolutely, for him. Yeah, that's a good one, Ryan. Jason says, Cardale couldn't hit the mid-level throws in 2015. In his three-game run, I think he greatly benefited from having Devin Smith, who was the greatest deep ball tracker ever. Um, he did, he did and, and Jason's not completely wrong. He did struggle with some of those mid, mid-level throws at times. But you know what? Who knows what would have happened with a different offense? You know, again, this was not an offense that was set up for Cardale to succeed. It really wasn't. This no. was a this was an offense that was set up for JT Barrett to succeed. They had everything that season set up for them, and and it, and those of you who know the story of what was going on behind the scenes with that coaching staff, yeah, it was it was an absolute nightmare yeah it was a train wreck yeah and it really it was you know no no fault to cardale or or jt or right i mean they had the best roster in college football we kind of just talked about this on the last episode a little bit you know having the best roster in college football is one thing one thing managing that roster 
is a completely different other thing, and they yeah. failed that season really, really bad. They failed. Uh, maybe some uh, a couple other guys that come to your mind, Chris. Anybody else that kind of? I mean, I've got one other guy I want to bring up, but I want to hear what else you've got. And we want to know what all you think out there too. Uh, you know, like I said, I'm I'm with with Monk. I would like to have seen what would happen if Kenny Guyton could have got out there on the field regularly in a system like what Ryan Day ran. I really think that he was. Uh, you know, like you said, Ryan Day likes those leaders. I think he was a great leader on the field. I think he had talent. I think he was unfortunately buried behind a, you know, a great roster. Uh, you know, he he came in when uh, Braxton went down the one time, but you know, he he never really got a great shot to get in there. Um, and, and and as I think back, you know, I mean, it's really hard to think. Could some of these guys have really excelled in Ryan Day's, uh, you know, system? Because you think back to some of the guys that we had with the, you know, the, the Bobby Hoings and the Craig Krenzels and the, uh, you know, uh, going back to, to well, a, a gentleman who we're going to talk to, I believe, next week, Greg Fry, uh, Kent Graham. You know, these guys were, were very good for their era. But I don't know if they could have, if they were built for this type of particular, you know, offense. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't. I think you'd have a hard time. You're going to be hard pressed going back to find somebody who I think could really excel in Ryan's day day's offense, who's not a more um, modern era quarterback. So what I hear you saying maybe is that, and this is a scary thing to get into, the success of Ohio State is based off Ryan Day's offense, not so much the player. Well, I, you know, for, for a long time, and we saw it, I think, a little bit with, you know, jumping to the pros a little bit. You know, I like my NFL. Tom Brady, considered, you know, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. The argument was always that he was a Belichick system quarterback. Well, he went and he kind of put the, the kibosh on that win and won Super Bowl in Tampa. But, you know, since then, when has he really Yeah, but he's, al- he's also 40, so he's older than me. <laughs> so. Well, he is. He, he is older. And, and, of course, your talents are going to decline. But um, I, I think that the right type of athlete benefits from the right type of system. I think it's not necessarily one or the other. You have to have both. Okay. Because if you take, I mean, you look, you take, uh, you know, Justin Fields and put him in a Jim Trussell or or John Cooper system. Are we going to see the Justin Fields that we saw passing the ball? No. We're going to see a, I think a more dynamic running Justin Fields, but we're not going to see the passing Justin Fields. Okay. Okay. Got a name for you. Okay. One more. I, I want to throw this one out at you. How about the baby face assassin? No Joe Germain? No Joe Germain? No? Maybe. You know, I... <laughs> yeah, yeah he, he, he had the arm for it. He, and he did have swagger. You know, he was a good leader on the field. I, he he would have succeeded more under Ryan Day than he did under Cooper, and he had a pretty good run under Cooper. 
Yeah, he would he would have definitely succeeded more under Ryan Day's offense than he would Urban Meyer. That is absolutely yeah. for sure. I, Urban Meyer would have never even had him on the team. Oh um, no, he would have had Stanley Jackson running the ball. He, he would have ran JT Stanley's Barrett. legs off. Yes, he, he would have the original JT Barrett in that case. You know. Hmm. Hmm. But I'm I'm thinking Joe Germain might have actually in Ryan Day's offense done really really well and he did pretty good in in, in john, john cooper's offense so. did, did, did you catch that last comment that just came up eric is somebody kind of sweet on joe germain yeah <laughs> yeah out of all my autographs that one might be one of her favorites yeah yeah like, that or bobby carpenter right yeah <laughs> i'll throw it up there yeah so so the beautiful wife is uh, watching and she said oh yes he had swagger with that baby face <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, someone someone's gonna be sleeping on the couch tonight it's probably gonna be me um <laughs> so yeah you get good call there good call all right guys we're gonna go ahead and take a quick commercial break we do want to let you know greg fry was scheduled to join us and obviously continue on with this quarterback conversation we're having he had to reschedule for next week so Greg Fry will be on next week's show. So if you had those questions for Greg, make sure you keep them um, and, and bring those back. I do want to get one more comment here because this was one guy I actually thought of. Yeah. Joel, he says, what about Arch Schleister or Kirk Herbstreet? Kirk Herbstreet, I don't care what system you would have put that guy in. He's a great he's announcer. He's <laughs> definitely a better announcer than he was quarterback. But Arch Schleister, I, I thought about that one, Chris. What do you think? You know that guy throwing the ball. Yeah, he 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 was the one who set the records before our guys came along here recently. So, uh, you know, I I do think that Schleister would have definitely had an even more stellar career under Ryan Day in that kind of offense. But again, you know, we we can't really know because there was such a difference in the way they played football in that era. Um, it, it's just so hard to predict. It it really is. It really is. But yeah, I I I, I met our, I actually liked the guy. Yeah. So I'm I yeah I would have liked to have seen that too. In but fact, was, that's he, who I thought you were going to say earlier before you said Cornelius Green because did you not actually meet him at uh, Ryan's tailgate last year? I did. I did. I, I met so, him at yeah. Ryan's tailgate. Yes, last year. Absolutely. Yep. All right, we're gonna take a quick commercial break, guys. We'll be right back. The OHIO Podcast is brought to you by Mastermind. Mastermind specializes in 360-degree high-definition mobile video mapping, GIS integration, and traffic safety studies. Mastermind cares about traffic safety and keeping you safe on the roadway. Visit Mastermind at OnlineMastermind.com. All right. Thank you, Mastermind. We appreciate your sponsorship. Um, and I do want to throw out a couple more things here before we dive into our next segment here. Good to have Brad Olberding with us. Brad, he says Art would have been an Urban Meyer type of player. So we have that. I think you're probably right with I that. I think he's right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, Jason Muck about that last segment. He said that was a great seg, a great segment, and you guys exceeded my expectations for how it turned out. Thank you, there, Jason. Appreciate that. 
Uh, before we get into the next topic, which is going to take us for the rest of this remainder of the show and make everybody very passionate, angry, hot and heavy, and you all those, uh, everything that we like to do on the OHO podcast when talking about that team up north, Ryan asks us a question, and maybe we want to get into this real fast. For you guys, who you think will be a breakout safety or cornerback next season? We do have to replace three starters there, two at safety. <clears throat> One at quarterback. Chris, do you have any ideas of who you think might be a breakout safety or corner next season? Yeah, yeah. I think it's going to be Sonny Styles. I, I think that he. we saw little glimpses of him this year, and I just think that he is such a tremendous athlete uh, and, and just has such a head for the game that I think that next year – this kid's going to come out and become a serious force on that defense. How about Jordan Hancock? I like Jordan. I do like Jordan a lot. Um, but I'll tell you, I just feel like Sonny is just, he's there. If I had to pick one, I'm definitely going with Sonny Styles. I also have a, I guess you would call it a uh, sleeper. Okay. Not even in the room currently. CJ Hicks. Really, you think that he's gonna could make the move to safety? If he's so good, he needs to be on the field with and starting eleven. Why not? Well, I'll tell you, I, I think he has the athleticism. Um, I'm not sure what kind of playing weight he's at right now. So I don't know if he'd have to slim down at all, or I think. But, but those, if he does, he he's got the right uh, the right guy running that program with the Body by Nick program down there to uh, get him in, in shape to do it. Um, yeah. Uh, what about any incoming freshman or anybody? Monk says maybe the uh, Simpson Hunt, the incoming freshman from yeah. Texas. You know, it's so hard to count on freshmen. You just never know. I mean, who had who had Denzel Burke, you know, starting day one in Minnesota, you know? Yeah, or, and, yeah. And then look what happened with the sophomore season. He definitely hit a sophomore slump, you know. He absolutely did. He absolutely did. So it's hard to count on those freshmen. I mean, last year on the defensive side, I don't know really. But I, I'll tell you what I think. Significant playing time. I, I think Denzel had some issues last year. I think. I don't know whether they were physical or psychological. I do believe that I think Denzel has a bounce back year this season. <laughs> I, I I do think it'll get fixed. Um, I'm leaning towards he had some physical issues that we just were never made aware of. And, you know, that's the Ryan Day way is to never make you aware of any physical issues. Yeah. All right, here we go. This will take us to the home home stretch. <clears throat> team up north football drama where do we even begin i mean this, uh... the tagline of the show is guys talking osu football and hating on that team up north so that's yeah. what we're gonna do here for the next oh 26 minutes or so of the rest of the remainder of the show we're gonna we're gonna hate on this program now before we get into anything else They've they've beaten us two years in a row. Those they are have. facts. Those yep. are facts. Right that. now, they're the program that's on top of the mountain. 
for the first time in a long time, we're, ga- we're, we're gunning for them as opposed to vice versa. And so let's just throw that out there first before we get in there. It looks like we're a bunch of sour grape Buckeye fans here. We understand they have beaten us two years in a row. That being said, what the heck is going on up there? I don't even know. Where do you want to start? Because I guess let's start with Jimmy and his constant love affair flirtation with the NFL. Chris, what's he doing? Well, well, first of all, Eric, the, the Michigan program right now is a mangled cat in the hot sun three days old. Let me tell you, it is a complete mess. Uh, as far as Harbaugh goes, I, I think, first of all, I think he thrives on this drama. I think he loves this drama. I think he loves the attention. Um, I think he, his desire is to be back in the NFL. I think that's what he wants. I, I, but at the same time, and and Aaron has said this before, and I think you've even said this, Eric. The NFL just doesn't want him. I just don't think the NFL wants him. He's a great name to bring in to leverage other candidates. But you know what? I, I don't think that anybody is seriously going to take him seriously as a serious coaching candidate unless he goes out and wins a national title. Because his career has been, no matter where it's been, he's about almost being the best. He has not, you know, he's not shown himself to be the best yet, but he's really good at almost being the best. Um, so I, I truly feel that Jim Harbaugh, uh, Jim Harbaugh is using the NFL to leverage Michigan. And the NFL is using Jim Harbaugh to leverage other coaches, maybe force them into a decision quicker. But I don't think either one – I don't know if I should say neither one wants the other. I think Harbaugh wants the NFL. The NFL doesn't want Harbaugh right now. So I believe very much so that Jim Harbaugh is in love with two different women. And I don't, that's the analogy I'm going to use here. I'm yeah. not, not talking about his marriage. He, I think he does really love his alma mater. He does. I truly But I that. also think that he loves the idea of getting back there and winning that Super Bowl. I think Jim Harbaugh, though he, for all his quirkiness and weirdness and recruiting sleepovers, he is a very competitive person. And you, it's got to be difficult sitting around the kitchen table at Thanksgiving yeah, in the Harbaugh household knowing that little brother's got a Super Bowl ring, and he did so against you. Well, and, and Monk mentioned it right there, man. He, he mentioned in his last comment, he's not even the best Harbaugh, you know? I mentioned that he's not that, you know, he hasn't proved himself to be the best. He's always the next best guy or the second best guy. He's not even the best Harbaugh. And I'll tell you what, if you go as far as coaching goes, you might even put him at third best because his old man was a hell of a high school coach. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So this is another good point here. Larry Daniels brings it up. It says, it looks like the NFL is looking for youth and head coaches. I agree, by the way. A lot of the new younger hot head coaches in the NFL are those young offensive coordinators. If you've been paying attention, 
He says, I agree with Chris. They use Harbaugh as a pawn or so they can say we interviewed X number of candidates. But here's the thing. I don't know that he is really even if he really even technically interviewed. I feel like he went out and tried to say, I'm available. Are you interested? And they said, yeah, we're kind of interested. You've you've had a couple successful years now. Then they meet the guy and he's so weird that they're kind of weirded out by it all, you know, they're yeah. like, yeah, you know, and, and now you've got this issue hanging over his head, which we're going to get into in a minute as well. So my question is this, was this the final flirtation for Jim Har- Harbaugh with the NFL, or are we going to see this again? We're going to see it again until he ends up back in the NFL, Eric, either that or until the NFL coaches just come, our owners just come out and say, we have no interest in Jim Harbaugh. Until they come out and say that, he is going to go back every year. He's going to go out there like a used car salesman trying to market himself, uh, you know, and get himself, uh, you know, a job in the league. Um, you know, I truly feel that his better option would be to stay. I mean, like you said, we can't deny it. He has taken down Ohio State the last two years. His team right now is the team to beat in the Big Ten. And he needs to focus on that and not trying to get himself back to the NFL because he still has a lot of really good talent up there. So, Yeah, they have a lot of returning talent. Eventually, this, these disruptions are going to cause an issue in the season. Well, I think they're causing an issue right now. We're going to get into that. So I said I also yeah. agree that Harbaugh thinks – he is an NFL coach, not college, says Brian Overding. All right, so let's move on to the next portion of this. So so Harbaugh goes out, flirts with his second girlfriend, the NFL. She says, I'm sorry, you're too weird for me now. Uh, I've moved on. So he goes back to the alma mater, his, his other girlfriend here. And when he comes back, Chris, who does he tell he's coming back? He tells the president, Santa Ono, that he's coming back. Santa Ono then releases basically on social media, good news, Jim Harbaugh is returning for the 2023 season. I will inform athletic director yeah. Ward Manuel. Yeah, on his personal Twitter, he releases this. This it shows, I think, the amount of dysfunction that is going on up in Ann Arbor right now. You have got a coach who doesn't get along with his AD, an AD who I think clearly has some issues with the president of the university as well. Um, it, it's, it, it is just a very, I think, it hasn't gotten publicly ugly yet, but I truly believe it will at some point. One or more of these people is going to have to go because you can't continue to run a program like this. You just can't. Uh, I think that right now, the, the the push is to get the AD out. I truly believe that. Uh, Harbaugh doesn't like him. I think that uh, you, you've got the university president. And you've got a university president there, by the way, who, man, the more I watch this guy, I think he's really in love with himself. He loves to get out there in front of the cameras or on his Twitter account and say something. He's like, uh, 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 terrible comparison, but, you know, it, it, it's like, I almost cringe when I see something come up on this guy's Twitter as much as I did when Trump would put something on Twitter. 
You know, and, and I thought, and it's kind of very similar. It's not necessarily the policies that are wrong, but boy, why don't we just shut up about it? Let somebody else, let the press secretary put it out there. In his case, let the AD put it out there. It's the AD's job. It's, you know, you have basically emasculated the AD in this program between the president and the coach. I mean, if, if I'm Ward Manuel, I'm not even looking to stay at this point. I'm hoping somebody comes calling. Because I truly think that Harbaugh and the president of this university have really worked him over in the way things have gone down. Gone down. So when you, when you stop and you really think about this for a second, can you imagine at any moment at Ohio State where there was something of this magnitude, Ryan Day goes out, has a, an interview or two, has some flirtation maybe with the Chiefs. Let's say Andy Reid retires and the Chiefs call on Ryan Day. And Ryan Day is known to go have an interview. Can you imagine President Johnson announcing to Buckeye Nation and not Gene Smith? No, absolutely not. Uh, the, it, fact, it, the, the fact that Harbaugh went to the president and went over Ward Manuel is a power play. It is. It is an absolute power play, and it shows me, as, as just an observer of this, the dysfunction between Ward Manuel, the athletic director, and and Jim Harbaugh, the coach. I mean, at that, if I'm Ward Manuel, I am so upset right now. And this, I think, is Jim Harbaugh's way of sticking it to Ward about the whole contract thing that had happened. It, it absolutely is. It is 100% what this is about. And, you know, like I said, you've got the president of the university who I think is just as big a part of this as what Harbaugh is. It, it is a train wreck up there. Why is the president of the university saying, okay, well, you know what? I'm glad you're coming back. Why don't you go ahead, notify the athletic director, notify the athletic department that you're of your plans to come back and let them put out a press release saying how happy we are to have you back. You know, it, it's not the president's job to get out there and, and praise Harbaugh for coming back or say how thankful he is that Harbaugh is coming back. That's the job of the athletic director. I cannot, you know, we've had some pretty messed up situations at times here at Ohio state. I'm not going to lie. Sure. We have, you know, we're we've not. had that. We had our, ha- our, our hands aren't clean. No, we're not. Our hands are not clean at all, but you know what? I, I pretty much can remember that at the forefront of all those gene, uh, gene, uh, help me out. Gene Smith, Smith came out front and center for better or worse. And he was the face of taking charge of what was going on. Sure. Uh, you know, we didn't have the president of the university coming out during the whole incident with, like you mentioned earlier, Trestle and Terrell Pryor. We didn't have the the president of the university coming out when we had the whole thing going on with, with Urban and, and uh, Zach Smith. The, yeah, I it, think he's Zach Smith. We, we didn't have that. You know, it was Gene Smith who was out there doing his job as athletic director, um, for better or worse. Like I said, you know, because we all still hold some grudges about uh, the self-imposed sanctions uh, that, that Smith levied. But you know what? The and I think Jason put it best. Michigan puts the fun in dysfunctional. They really do, because that is a mess up there, my friend. It is. It is a mess. Oh, it only gets better. It, oh, it, yes, it does. 
let's let's continue okay this is just the beginning here so the ncaa which by the way has zero legs to stand on at this point i mean they 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 are are a neuter dog they are an amputee trying to kick a 45 yard field goal right now it ain't happening we really compare that i mean dempsey did have only half a foot and held the record for a long time (laughs) well i'm just saying these guys have no power at all and jim knows that by the way so apparently they have a couple level two uh issues that happen which are uh, listen every major college program in the united states has level two sanctions and violations absolutely they all do okay if 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 they don't they're absolutely not trying to win okay right so i can't fault them for that then their level one issue comes when Harbaugh refuses to cooperate to, to cooperate with them. Again, just, just say I screwed up and this all goes away. And it was because he bought some recruit, some hamburgers. Yeah. This is stupid. Yeah, even, something, even us Buckeye fans know this is stupid. But yeah. He, but just, you know, and I know he's trying to make a point by saying you're letting uh, you're letting these other programs literally poach players from other schools, which is illegal. You're doing nothing about it, and yet you're here busting my balls over me buying a couple hamburgers for some recruits. I ain't even talking to you. I but mean, that's I know not that's- why they're busting his balls, man. They're, they're getting on him. And the reason he is facing the, the possible suspensions that he is now is because, let's call it what it is, Eric, he's being dishonest. He's not cooperating. It's not the, the hamburgers that's going to get this guy in trouble. It is the dishonesty, the deceit, the, the failure to cooperate. That is what's getting this guy in trouble. Basically, what he is doing is he is he's like the guy who gets pulled over for a traffic stop and, you know... The cops want to search him, and he resists. He pulls out his cell phone and starts recording. Yeah, that's exactly what's going on. He is, and, and again, I don't know. Maybe this is just his insatiable desire for attention. Maybe that's what it is. He just has this need to be in the spotlight at all times, and maybe that's what he's after right now. I don't know. But what he's going to do is get himself a suspension. This is going to carry out into the next season before they get an opportunity to suspend him. And he's going to get a suspension, whether it's one game, whether it's three games, whatever it's going to be. He's going to catch a suspension for this. And what what he needs to worry about now is the fact that because he's carried this on this far, and it's going to carry into the 2023 season now, they're saying, what happens if that suspension gets levied a week before the game? What happens if that suspension gets levied Right before the start of bowl season. Oh, I don't, I don't want that to happen. Leveled, I, want to I don't either. Cause I don't, I don't want to hear the excuses. Right. I don't want that. What happens if that suspension gets levied against Penn state, who we both think is going to be a tremendous talent in the league next year. He, he's not thinking, he's just not thinking because what he, and this goes back to what I was saying earlier. He is going to make a mistake that is going to cost his team on the field. And what's going to happen at that point is he is going to lose that team. 
And this feeds into what Larry's question is here. Is it possible Harbaugh is a coaching savant and just as poor, just has poor ego and communication skills? Well, yeah, he's got terrible ego and communication skills, but you know what? He's an idiot. That, that's his problem, biggest problem is he's an idiot. Because you know what? He, he is, and, and Eric, I've questioned it in the past. The guy, if you look at the, the track record, the guy can coach. Mm-hmm. He can coach. It's just all the other stuff that comes with him, all that other baggage that comes with him is what makes him, I think, a detriment to a program. And I'm going to make a comparison here that a lot of people aren't going to like, but he's kind of like Urban Meyer. He wears his welcome out yes. after about five to six years because he wears on you. Yeah. Because he's, you know, he leans on you, he leans on the program. You know, he doesn't, he's, he's not, his personality as a person and a human being, as much as he maybe wants to be straight and narrow and, 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 and walk the straight line, he's just weird. Urban's was, you know, he'd always make a mistake here or there and then have a health issue. Uh, so what you're saying is, is Harbaugh just, he stays somewhere for a little while and then just kicks somebody in the groin and his next thing you know, he's out on the street. <laughs> not, not physically, right? But emotionally, emotionally, yes. <laughs> I mean, I, I can't tell you the stories that have have you've heard about the 49ers front office talking about. Oh yeah, how they couldn't get. I just feel like, um, after a while, he wears on people, and they need to. He needs to get out and go. And I think he's at that spot possibly uh, up in Michigan, but. It's like an infomercial. Oh, there's more. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, Eric. You got to check out this uh, message that Matthew just sent, too. Okay, let's post that up there. Let's see what that says before we get into Matt Wise here. Is that team up north problem the same as the Cowboys when they kept Jason Garrett for too long? Not enough for the long-time football and go to the next level. Hope that makes sense. What do you think, Chris? Do you read into that a little bit? I could see that. I think that because Garrett at times had a little bit of success, he had a couple years of, of decent success, so that mirrors what he's saying here a little bit. But the fact is, and it's what we talked about earlier, he's a real good runner-up. He, he's, he's really good at being almost good enough to win. And he has, like we say, he has beaten us a couple of years, so we can't he take has. away from him. That's what I started this segment out with. I gave you guys credit for that, but now I'm really now I'm going to bring some receipts here. Yeah. So your your former former offensive coordinator has been fired by your by your athletic department with very little details as to why. I want to know exactly what. Uh, these violations were of the the I forget exactly how they worded it the the computer crime. So but, it is, um, and he was he's being investigated for computer, computer. access crimes. So was I he have, hack, uh, he's hacking something. That's what computer it, access is, crimes are. He's yes, that something. usually this is the title given to somebody who accesses information via the computer, internet, etc., illegally without the consent of who they're getting this information yes. from 
And basically, the fancy term for that is hacking. He was but a what hacker. What information was he accessing? That's what I want to know. It has so to be the, something very serious for it to be a a criminal investigation. Yes. So, and here's the other part of this is we don't know the correlation yet between that and the NCAA investigations. Correct. We don't we don't know that correlation yet. Um, I've seen people putting it out there on social media that it was child pornography. I do not believe that's the case. Because if that was the case, I think you would see some other um, other information coming. I also think you would have seen him being arrested. Well, I don't think Harbaugh would keep his mouth shut about something like that. I don't even think I don't even think Harbaugh is that stupid. And I don't, I think, don't, he, I don't think he'd get out of his own way long enough to, to keep yeah, his so mouth shut about it. You can I don't think that those rumors are are correct. I don't think it's fair to to Weiss and his family. Because if that's right. not the case, man, that you to put that kind of allegation on somebody yeah, you put that room in the bed. Yeah. So I don't I don't think that's it. But what I do think it is is he has accessed and and again, this is this is this is just a rumor. But the athletic or the academic standard at the University of Michigan is, shall we say, uh, higher than most. Yeah, Monk just threw it up there. Exactly what I think you're where you're going. Grade tampering. I didn't say it. Jason did. <laughs> we don't know. If that is the case, but that is one of the rumors that I'm seeing a lot of is that he was trying to change some grades. And if that's the case, this is something that the NCAA has dealt with before. North Carolina, anybody? Yeah. What happened to the Tar Heels? <laughs> Nothing. Yep. Nothing. Um, but here's what I'm going to get at in closing. And again, we want to thank all of you who jump on and watch the live show with us tonight. It bothers me, Chris, that the the fans in the rivalry from our rival, Chris and or excuse me, Sean and all his buddies, right? Talk about how they are better than us academically, athletically, and as people. And when you say, "Man, why do you say that?" It's because we are that's literally the the uh, mindset that this entire program has, which bugs me the most about anything. I can take up the trash talking, the jiving, you know, the poking, but one of the things that upsets me is just their egotistical nature. We're better than you. You guys are a bunch of criminals, blah, 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 blah. And then when this stuff happens to you and your program, where are you at? You're hiding under a rock. Making this, this, is, this is where they'll throw the athletic director out there and let him get butchered. Exactly. If you don't think Ward Manuel is, is basically going to be fired over this, you're crazy. He, he is going to be the one... And, and, and Jim's back here going, I didn't know about any of this. It's your program. Yeah. This is, let's, let's call it what it is, Eric. This is where Jim Trussell fell on the sword. And you're going to see Jim Harbaugh hiding under the bleachers and pushing his AD out there. If you, as a program, as a fan base, I'm talking to you, Michigan fans. 
If you are who you claim you are, then you should want Jim Harbaugh fired for this. Yeah. Absolutely. But you are sitting there like a bunch of, oh boy, this is a terrible analogy, but a battered wife taking the abusive husband back. That's what you're doing. Especially given the Zach Smith incident, probably not the best. <laughs> I'm right here, man. <laughs> I, I'm just saying, this yeah. is what you're doing. No, so I, you you don't get to point your finger down at Buckeye Nation and Buckeye fans and say we're better than you. Look what you guys did. You guys had Urban Meyer, that incident, and, and all these other little things you like to point at when you yourself are doing the exact same things. You don't get to call yourself better than us. You just hadn't been caught yet. Let's call like it like I said. Is. Yeah, all of our hands are dirty in this thing. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. You're, you're you're not special. You're not. You're not better than us. You know, and that whole thing with Sparty this year, I still believe you inside you incited most of that every stinking time with Ohio State and it was Illinois yes. and it was Penn State and it was Sparty. Who's what's the common thread through all of that? Your arrogance. Yes. You own it. The, the oh, failure of Jim Jim Harbaugh in this case to control his program and his players. That's simple. All right, guys, that's our show for this week. I hope you enjoyed us hating on that team up north just as much as you enjoyed us talking about uh, the Ohio State quarterback situation and some of those quarterbacks that uh, we would like to have seen under the Ryan Day offense. We will be back next week, 8 o'clock, same time. Same channel. We want to welcome you back. Greg Fry uh, will be our guest next week, former Ohio State quarterback. Excited to have him yes. on the podcast next week. We're going to be doing some very neat and exciting things. Again, hit the like button, share, ring the bell so you get notified of when we go live and when we have new content that comes out. We're looking forward to having a lot more great things for you in the future as we continue to develop this great new powerful tool that we're using in EVMUX uh, as we continue to not only uh, come onto your screens now, not just your earbuds, but on your screens, and we try to deliver a better content every single time. So as always, be kind to one another. I owe someone's OH and sing Carmen Ohio with all your heart. Until next time, OH! I owe! Go Bucks. Oh, come, let's sing Ohio's praise and songs through armor while our hearts rebounding thrill and joy which death alone can still summer's heat or winter's cold the seasons pass the years will Time and change will surely show how firm thy friendship, Ohio.
This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.